The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. I feel strange with this funny little cover that I've got for my notes. I've got, a, uh, I've got one made of kangaroo skin at home, and I've used it for years. And when I checked my briefcase this time, to, I thought I'd packed it. And I, in desperation, I rang Kathy and I said, have you seen my, my leather folder? She said, it's in your office, darling. So I was only a few thousand, about 7,000 miles away from my office, so I just couldn't pop in there and do it. But anyway, it's all good. God is wonderful. Isn't he a great God? Now, now tonight, I, I want you to respond to me. Last night, you acted like a bunch of Baptists, and I, I, I took glory to God. So I, I want you to just respond. If you like something, say amen. Just don't sit there and look all intellectual with me. Would you do that? So I, I want you just to relax, chill out, enjoy the experience. We're in the presence of God. We're having fun. You know, this place should be the most joyful place in the world. Disney is not the happiest place in the world. I've been there. <laughs> Champion Church is the most happiest place. The other churches are the happiest place. And they should be. We should be the most joyful, happiest people. We are ambassadors of His joy. Glory to God. And I've been blessed with a good disposition because most of the times I'm blessed. I mean, sorry, most of the time I'm joyful. I'm blessed anyway. But I'm joyful. I'm a joyful kind of a guy. And I love life. And uh, I embrace it. He said, I've come to give you life. And not just normal life, but abundant life. So I embrace that with both hands. If he gave it to me, I'm going to have it. And I'm going to enjoy it right up to the max. Hallelujah. And if I can cross max, I'll cross max. So I wake up always with a good attitude. I always wake up happy. Some people say, have you ever wake up grumpy? I said, no, I let her sleep. Hey, who, and he, and he, and who. Hallelujah. See, I only crack those jokes when Kathy's not here. Because I, now I've got the advantage of not going back to the hotel and have her drill me when I get back. to. You should not have said that. Glory to God. So she actually asked me, and when I ring her at night after the service, she said, did you behave yourself? And then I lie, no. Yes. No. Yes. Glory to God. And, uh, but anyway, I miss her. That's uh, Miss My Bride. I want us to turn to the book of Luke tonight, and I'm going to share some things. <clears throat> T tomorrow night is going to be the last night, of course, and... Uh, I'm going to be talking to your pastor about some things uh, tomorrow uh, over lunch, that some of the things I want to share. And, uh, but, but I'm excited. As we've gone into these few meetings, I'm, I'm starting to get a little excited about what God is going to do with Champion Church. Hallelujah. And uh, it's great to have vision because without vision, you know you're dead. And uh, you've got to have vision. Bless God. I've got to have vision for what I do, and uh, my vision is for America. I love the United States of America. 
In fact, I find it very difficult because I'm going to be home soon and, and I walk through immigration and I've been listening to your accent. Of course I know, you poor deluded souls. You don't think you've got an accent, do you? I mean, I just come out of Tennessee. Now they've got an accent. And I take it they're talking to me in English, right? Or if you go to Mississippi, glory to God. Yes, Mississippi. You think, what on earth? Where am I? <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I got a prophetic word once that said, Yea, unto another people of another speech shall I send thee. And that I thought was Asia. I thought it was going to be Indonesia or somewhere because we had a mission field there. But then when I arrived in Texas, I understood that the prophetic word was fulfilled. <laughs> Glory to God. Because when I first came here, I had no idea what you people were talking to me about. You'd talk to me, i go, I don't know whether to nod my head or shake my head or what to do. Glory to God. But I got into it. But um, yeah, it's strange because I get used to your accent. And uh, one of the harshest realities of me is when I go home and I walk through my immigration, Australian immigration, and my passport, and they go, yeah, g'day, how are you? Tick with a stamp. And it just grates on me, that, that, that accent. G'day, how are ya? It's like through the nostril they say it. G'day, how are ya? And I think, oh, did I, am, is this my country? I'm just never sure. And anyway, I've got to get used to it. And I've got to get used to it again. And then one time I, I'd been over here for nine months and I went back and I had to go into the bank to get some money out to buy some sheepskin rugs for my vehicle. And I walked into the bank and she said, hey, what part of America are you from? And I thought, listen here, woman, glory to God, I belong nowhere. Now not even my own country can recognize me. Just crazy stuff. All right, let's just read this scripture. Verse 25 of, what did I say? Luke 21. There will be signs in the sun and moon and stars. And upon the earth, there will be distress, trouble, and anguish. Trouble and anguish of nations in bewilderment, perplexity, without resources, left wanting, embarrassed, in doubt, not knowing which way to turn at the roaring of the tossing of the sea, men swooning away or expiring with fear and dread and apprehension, an expectation of the things that are coming on the world for the very powers of the heavens will be shaken and caused to totter. Then they will see the Son of Man coming. I don't know whether you read this or saw this on television with Bloomfield. That, that, and I don't fully understand it, so excuse me if some of you have more intelligent than what I am. But, but China has just, just, as far as I can understand, has just disconnected from the U.S. dollar. Unpegged itself from the U.S. dollar. And they're using their own yuan for, 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 
uh, instead of using the U.S. dollar, they're using their own currency and inviting investors from all over the world to, to invest in, the, in, in China and the yuan, and they can do that because now China has just become gold-backed on their currency, and we are not. It's going to create all kinds of issues, right? And so with eagerness, I'm waiting to see what Mr. Trump does because what I hear through the scuttlebug that Mr. Trump's going to make an announcement that we also are gold-backed on our dollar and the system that we have now will disappear. <clears throat> but we have countries fighting one another, not necessarily with guns, but with politics, we live in a very shaky world. The Bible says in Luke that, that the day that we live in now doesn't look good. We, we can't find security in the world that we live in. This is a hell of a place to live. And unless we find peace in God, unless as a church we come in the opposite spirit, the world out there need to see us not acting like these people, like the rest of the world is going to do here. We have to have some maturity and we have to be a church that, that at least the world from the outside can look at the hell on the inside but find heaven here on the inside. Amen. Glory to God, which puts the onus on us to... to, to uh, well, I can say it this way. Put our big boy's pants on and stop worrying about little things and begin to embrace the things that really matter in life. Right. And one of the things, one of the key things I believe in a believer's life that is an attraction to people outside, and this seems odd, but, but and I'm going to give you an illustration, is the joy that the Holy Spirit has given us. Because when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I got a real dose of the stuff. In fact, when I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it was actually against my will because I was a Baptist and I thought we had a handle on all the baptisms. And I went to this crazy Pentecostal meeting, got baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and, and as a Baptist, much to my shame, when I got it, when I got this experience, I shouted the house down and for 48 hours could only speak in tongues. I couldn't speak in English. Can you know what it's like for, for two days to only be able to speak in tongues? So you think in English, but when it comes out of your mouth, I just didn't get a little Pentecostal. When I got the Holy Ghost, it was when we had real altar calls for the real stuff. Because I come out of the old school. I didn't come out of this emerging church junk. Oh, sorry, did I say that? Oh, cut my words off. Beep, 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 beep. Hallelujah. I come, out of, I come out of an environment and a stream that actually believed in the power of God, was unashamed to talk about the power of God, move in the power of God. In my day, everybody was anointed. Everybody laid hands on everybody, prophesied, moved in the gifts of the Spirit. Now it's a rarity if we ever see that at all. And if somebody, like people come up to me, I've had preachers come up to me and say, you're old hat. And I say, what, how do you make that out? They said, look, get people out in 50 minutes out of your church. Shorter services. 
And when they've said that to me, I said, by your statement to me, you're saying the gifts, the moving in the Spirit is, 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 is old hat, then my response to that is that you have just confessed how irrelevant you are. Because the only thing that's going to touch them out there is what you carry in here. Glory to God. You better know what you carry. You better know that you carry the anointing. First John, don't pray for the anointing. Everybody in this place is anointed. Because First John 2.20 says the anointing abides. When God saves you, fills you with the Holy Ghost, you are already anointed. You are already gifted. What we've got to do is try to get that out of you and into them out there. I used to pray, God, anoint me for tonight. God, anoint me for tonight. God, anoint me for tonight. I almost, I almost at one time felt God slap me. I was like, what are you doing? Now, one thing I do ask for is wisdom. Because the Bible says, he who lacks wisdom, asks from above. And I'm not always wise. And I'm a bit delusional because, you know, as you get older, you think you can say anything and get away with it. Because when you're young and an idiot, you know, you can't get away with very much at all because the chain's quite short. But when you get older like me, you think, I can say anything, but you can't. Glory to God. Everybody go like this. Everybody go like this. You say, what is the significance? I have no idea. <laughs> I just wanted you to enjoy the experience. Hallelujah. Now, we do, those, we do this kind of thing because you, you need to relax. To receive what I've got to tell you today, you need to relax and not be so churchy and religious. Oh, glory to God. I mean, you say, well, you know, but see, I've got to stand, stand up here and look at your faces. And some nights that can be depressing, right? You only look at one of me, but I've got to look at all of you. And if you're like this, that's not easy. That's why God even warned Jeremiah, don't take no thought of their faces. Just speak the word that I said. I, what God was saying, I know what they're like. But preach anyway. So we're in, we're in bad times. The Bible says men swooning away or expiring with fear and dread. It talks about nations of lack, running out of resources. That's where we're going, church. The slippery slide has already started. So here's the question I want to ask you, please. Are you grounded? When the storms come, are you able to stand? How deep are your roots? Are you built on sand or rock? We've been talking about transition and season change. I believe many of you are in between waves. You are in the, you are in the, it neither there, neither are you here. And you can't understand the conflict and the crises that some of you find yourself in. 
but where God's about to take you into the next season, you can't run hot nor cold. You can't be lukewarm as a Christian to embrace the next season. Every season that we embrace that's a change brought about by God is a season of multiplied blessing, multiplied fulfillment, but also multiplied warfare. You can never embrace a season that God's taking you into without a fight. Goliath, Goliath was David's entrance into his season as a king. But he had to fight Goliath and he had to kill Goliath. But Goliath was David's entrance into his next season because prior to that, he was a shepherd boy playing on a harp and, and, and tending sheep. But then he met the enemy and many times God will use an enemy to propel you into your next season. He'll have something rise up in your life that's conflict. And I'll be honest with you. I don't believe what I've been saying here is just reserved for here. I believe it's the whole, my, my coordinator when I first arrived over here, she said to me, she said, what do you think God's saying to you? My God, I've been in, in America for a day. I said, I haven't, have a, I haven't a clue what he said to me. And then as I've gone on, I've been here several weeks, as I've gone on, I absolutely believe when Billy Graham died and I shared this the first meeting, that I believe there's a great awakening coming to America. But, but awakenings speak of change. Awakenings speak of transition. Awakening and outpouring from heaven on earth means you are going to have to change. I am going to have to change. It means change to your life. And I believe God's preparing you for this. I'm a voice. I'm a prophetic voice. And I care about the church. I care about this church. I care about Pastor Preston and Ashley. They're, they're my spiritual sons and daughters. I love them. So whatever they're involved with, I love it. I do have his back. Always. I always have Ashley's back. Always. Why? Because I'm a spiritual father. Not just of them, but quite a few spiritual sons and daughters. We are, we are heading for times that are really in the flesh, very scary times. But I believe the church is going to come into a place and that's why you need to know that you're grounded in God, that you're not subject to go to and fro, lukewarm. You need to wait on God. You need to strengthen yourself by, by read, getting into the Word of God. I thank God I was a Baptist because Baptist people taught you how to have a quiet time. Hands up those who have heard that terminology before. Were you Baptists? Presbyterians, Methodists? But we learned that at the beginning of every day, you had to have some time with God. Read your Bible. But when I was growing up in the faith, we didn't have television. Glory to God, we had vehicles, we had cars. Hey, I didn't come up through the horse and cart stage, right? I didn't ride to church. Oh, giddy up, boy. Hey, hey, hoo, hoo. 
but we didn't have television. We certainly didn't have any cell phones. Yes, we had landlines. I was not that old. Glory to God. We didn't have pigeons. His tire ring thing around us. Hey, go and see Jack. Right? But we weren't harangued by social media. Thank God there was no Facebook. Listen, if I could, I would ditch Facebook in a, in a heartbeat. We, people get offended on Facebook. If you don't respond straight away, hey, what's wrong with you? I think for God's sake, grow up. And then someone said, are you, are you, do you tweet? <laughs> Far out. Only twits tweet. Then someone said, on Instagram, listen, I don't want my life out there so you can see everything that's going on in my life because I'm a naughty kind of a person. What I may do is show you things just for the sake of it and bizarre things. <laughs> Make up stories just to throw you off. So now we've got Instagram, we've got tweeting. We've got Messenger. We've got emails. Oh, God. At one time, we used to write a letter and put a stamp on an envelope and send it off. Today, boom, boom, email, done and dusted. But the problem with that, it makes us too accessible to people and it makes us too distracted. And the enemy uses distraction to take you away from waiting on God. When I, when I pray for a meeting, I turn my phone off and my computer off. Because why? Because I know me. And if, if a text comes, ding, ding, and I'm studying and my phone's beside me, and then it reminds me again, ding, ding, and there's something in me that must look at that text so I turn my phone off. You need to be grounded because of what is coming. You need to have a faith that is grounded in the Spirit of God. So I want to use just as a brief text tonight because I really do want to pray for you tonight. I love praying for people. It's great fun. When I go home and I've you know, got a bit of time in my hands, I enjoy the break, but then I start missing heads. Hallelujah. And it's a bit disconcerting for my son because he walks on the door and I say, hey, bring your head over here. I need to pray. <laughs> Even lay hands on stray dogs that walk by. Hey, come here. <laughs> Not really. All right. I just feel really naughty tonight. <laughs> you know, I've just read the most, the most harshest scripture you could find Men's hearts swooning, giving up and all this kind of thing. And here I am cracking up, but I just feel in a good mood. Is that all right? Can I preach in a good mood? Because I came out of a background where people were really stuck up in church. You know, you come and you sit down and you wouldn't move a muscle. And the, the, the pastor stands up. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here in the sight of God today. Talk about the holy scriptures. Heavy, 
Anyhow, at the end of it, let us all rise. We go home. And that took an hour. Now, most of the times, I wish it took only 30 minutes. Hallelujah. Luke, uh, sorry, Psalm chapter 1. Glory to God. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans and purposes, nor stands in the path where sinners walk, nor sit down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord, and on his, and on his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God, he habitually meditates, ponders and studies by night and by day. He shall be like a tree firmly planted, and that's why I asked you before, are you grounded? Ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not fade, nor wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. So there are eight keys in this psalm. Now we're not going to be dealing with all of them, obviously, but there are eight keys in this psalm, and I'm saying when you are in a place where, where you know there's a transition in your life and there is a season change, you have run out of grace in this season, and you're going to have to have faith to navigate through no man's land before you go into the next season and embrace grace. So there is a posture. Someone talks about a posture, and I'm going to apply it to a person in transition. I want you to write this down. Transition always means growth. And if you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not growing, you're dying. Remember we talked the other night about stagnant pools. You're, you're either a flowing river in your life or you are a stagnant pool doing the same old, same old year in and year out. God doesn't want that for you. God wants the very best for you. And, and many times he takes us out of a season because the grace is run out and he wants to take us to the next season because there's grace there, there is finances there, there are new friendships there, there are new connections there, there are new relationships there in the next season. But I have never found personally myself, over 50 years of being in the ministry, I, and I've, I've had to navigate through many change of seasons, I have never found them easy myself. So there is a posture, posture number one, key number one, and I want you to write this down. When you are in this place that you're in right now, we must settle on this one thing, that in spite of what it may look like now, you are blessed. A lot of people can't settle on that because they think that being blessed is a condition, but being blessed is actually your position. The fact that you carry the blessing. We all carry the anointing, but when you got saved, God gave us as a spiritual force into our life the blessing singular. 
not, not plural. He gave us the blessing singular. It is a grace that God puts in you to enable you to have success. So we could say grace or blessing. But the Bible talks about blessing. He places the blessing so that you have a position that can change the condition. You have to know that no matter where you find yourself or what status you find yourself, you have to tell yourself, I am blessed, even though at this point in time it mightn't look like I'm blessed. But the blessing is that which is going to see you through to the next season. Hallelujah. Blessed is not a reflection of my condition. It is my position. And I've got to tell you right now, I, I'm in grace right now. There is a grace over my life. I feel it. The blessing of God is a tangible thing when you get a revelation that your position, whether it's hard, whether it's easy, whether you feel like you're blessed or not blessed, you positionally are blessed. I have a grace on me that whatever I face in life, I'm going to be able to navigate Navigate it through successfully. You got to know that. You got to know that. You got to know your position. Glory to God. And the Bible, you know, to think that we're not going to have problems is naive because the Bible says, Many are the afflictions of the. But the Lord, what? Out of them all. Now that can be a quick deliverance or it might be a slow deliverance. So you have to know that you are positioned when you know and get a revelation that the, the blessing singular is in your life. You now from a position have the empowerment to change the condition that's around you. One, one of the things that, that we have to watch, just look at me for a minute. The, the, one of the things we have to watch is the little red devil behind the picket fence. The tongue. Many of us snare ourselves by what we say. So we find when we get into a, a bit of hot water, we confess our condition rather than our position. And then wonder why our condition wrecks havoc in our life. But you have to start confessing your position. See, come hella high water, my position is I'm blessed. I am blessed. And one of the keys I've found that, that hooks me into this mindset of this posture is confessing to God on a daily basis. Listen to this, because this is very powerful if you get it, right? Is gratitude. I am forever grateful. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the wife that he gave me. And because I'm grateful for the wife he gave me, I'm not looking at greener grass on the other side of the fence. Because trust me, if you jump that fence, that's two lawns you're going to have to mow. <laughs> right? When, when, you, when you know that you're blessed, when you get a revelation of this as far as the Word is concerned, your confession must be not from your condition, but rather from your position. So now if you face hardship, your confession should be, I'm blessed. 
So I'm getting out of this somehow, someplace, somewhere, because I, I recognize and I'm confessing my, posi- my position. Conditions are fickle. They'll change on a dime. But my position is eternally grafted into my spirit, and it will always work for me. Glory to God. Glory to God. And when you're in trouble and you confess, people say, oh, I'm feeling for you, Nige. And I just say, I'm blessed. Now they call you arrogant. Some people you just can't win with. Because if you turn around and say, yeah, you know, I'm going through a bad time right now. I say, then don't get wrapped up in self-pity. But then if you turn around and say, I'm blessed, they say, you arrogant piece of work. You can't win. When you're grateful, because the Bible says, come before his presence with what? Thanksgiving is grateful. Thanksgiving, grateful, grateful. Thanksgiving, thanksgiving, grateful, grateful. Thanksgiving, same thing. But when you come, that's how you come before his presence with thanksgiving, with gratitude. And so I, many times I'll walk through my house. Thank you, Father, for that tea. Thank you for that fridge. Thank you for this. Thank you for the pots and pans. Because I could have been homeless. Thank you for a house that's paid for. Because I, I, I could be in a rented house at my age for the rest of my life. I thank God. Now God gives you wisdom with finances. I thank God for the vehicle. My vehicle is six and a half years old. And I'll keep it because it's a four-wheel drive. It's called Priscilla. That's just the way it is. Actually, it's Priscilla too. I'm not going to go into the story of that. It's a very anointed story. But I can't tell you. But I'm grateful for that. I go out there and it's taken me all kinds of places in the outback. There's a bit of a nostalgic connection there. But I thank, I say, thank God you gave me this. I thank God for Kathy's got a little car, a little Corolla thingy. Thank God, we thank God for that. I thank, I thank God for my grandkids when they behave. <laughs> I just thank God. I thank God for my relationships. And you see, as you begin to tally up and walk through, knowing that you've got circumstances that are adverse, but you start walking in the, in the path of gratitude and you begin to thank God and itemize all the things that you, you can thank God for, all of a sudden the conditions start to change and things look better and you're not so negative. Because if, you're not, if you haven't got gratitude, you get into unbelief. And you start to believe the conditions over your position. Can't afford to do that. Hallelujah. Write this down. Your blessing has enemies. Your blessing has enemies. Even though people have hated you, tried to destroy you, said you couldn't last, then all of a sudden they are confronted by the empowerment of the blessing upon your life. If God puts a grace over your life, you must succeed eventually. And there are three signs that you are blessed. Number one, he'll make the crooked places straight. In other words, he'll give you direction in the crooked places. 
He's kind of like a heavily GPS. He'll get you out. Although, my God, I've trusted GPSs and I've ended up in all sorts of places. I'm telling you something. I, you know what? I, now, when I go into the outback, I've got three GPSs because I don't trust any of them. Glory to God. It's like, it's, you know, it's like a wife going on a spree with your American Express card. Anyway, but how can you trust that? But so I've got three GPS. I've got my phone GPS. I've got another off-road GPS. And I've got my vehicle GPS. And I'll tell you something. I've had the three of them disagree. <laughs> so what hope's that? But God's GPS is right. Because he said... If you come to a crooked place, he said, because I've empowered you, because I've put my blessing on you, I'm going to guide you through the crooked places and bring you through it. Ooh, that's a good provision. And that almost makes us invincible. It's kind of like coming out of your telephone booth, wearing tights and a cape. Hallelujah, Superman is born. By the way, I went to the movies the other night. I went and saw the Apostle Paul. Anyone see that movie? Do you like it? I couldn't stand it. I'm sorry, brother. I just, because all we saw was Paul looking up through a grate. It just seemed just long, drawn out for me. I, I just, I like, I think Paul had an exciting life personally. Uh, there were moments in there that were really anointed. But I'm, I'm so looking forward to the resurrection that Mel Gibson's going to produce. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so I, d I don't want to put you off going to the Apostle Paul. You may love it. That's fine. It's okay. It's all good. That's it. Your blessing has enemies. But you are blessed in spite of them. He makes the crooked places straight. Number two, he opens doors that have been shut. But he also closes doors that need to be closed. A closed door does not mean the rejection of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's for your safety. Some of the greatest prayers that I've seen answered are the ones unanswered. Ever been so sick with the flu? God, I just want to die. Ever prayed that prayer before? I've been like, because, you know, man flu is much more severe than women flu. <laughs> right? You know we're hopeless when we're sick. I'm dreadful when I'm sick. I want everybody to run after me. <laughs> Kathy, you don't understand. Shut up. You haven't had a baby yet. Glory to God. Some of the prayers that will be most significant are the ones he hasn't answered. Hallelujah. And then when I, when I get better and I'm feeling well, oh God, please negate all those other prayers that I prayed. Please, Father, in the name of Jesus. The third one that's a sign that you're blessed is extravagant favor. When God favors you in a situation that it actually took God to put that favor on you. Then our prayer should be, Father, show us your favor. Sometimes we miss the blessing because we're insensitive to it and we don't see it when it happens. Sometimes we can sow seed for something, 
but it might be a year down the track that we actually get that, but we're forgetting we've sown seed a year ago for that. And my prayer is, God, make me sensitive. Is that, a, is that a result of the seed that I sowed? So blessed and grace are interchangeable. The Bible says Noah was blessed, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Key number two. The Bible says blessed is the man who walks and lives not, everybody say not, in the counsel of the ungodly. See, when, when, when Scripture de describes the blessing in Psalm 1, it's telling you you're blessed by the things that are not. So it says, blessed is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, which tells me he is blessed in the midst of ungodliness, controversy, and confusion. Some people don't recognize the grace that is over their life because of the problems that are in their life. They are looking for a grace, listen to this, they are looking for a grace that negates problems. Just because you're blessed doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. You may be married to a problem. Glory to God. You might have a mother-in-law that's a problem. You can't negate. My mother-in-law was a wonderful person. <laughs> Glory to God. I know she was. Um, I could never understand it because they were, they were Italian, Sicilian. So when they talked to me and they didn't like wearing their teeth, and so now I've got a somebody that can't speak English very well and is not wearing teeth. I had a devil of a job trying to understand what they were saying. So I'd nod my head in the wrong places and go like this in the wrong places. I didn't know what I was doing. Talk about confusion. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So grace, the blessing, doesn't negate problems. It gives you an empowerment to be able to navigate through it. The presence of evil and trouble does not destroy the potential for triumph. Just because you are surrounded by evil and, tri uh, and, and trouble does not mean the empowerment to produce a triumph and victory in your life is not available to you. You have to believe that is for you. Your focus has to be on your position, not on your condition. If you get a revelation of your position, the condition of that can change. Key number three. There are two sides of grace. There will be seasons in your life that will show the grace that's on you. By what God did for you, the things He gave you, and the doors He opened for you. I had to get a revelation of this because when you come to a place like America and you're unheralded and you don't know anybody because when I first came to America I told everybody back in, the, in, in Australia that I'd be gone for five months. But what I didn't tell people so big was my vision and so big for my, was my dream to me that was a reality that hadn't manifested yet. And what I didn't tell people, that when I first came over here, I didn't even tell Kathy. But I only had three churches. 
And you can't spend five months on three churches. Right? And when I got here, the two churches that I was scheduled to go to after the first church, they cancelled. So now I have one church and it's the only church I'm in. Now here's the deal though. There was something in me deep within because I was profoundly called to America. I somehow knew that some way doors would open for me. And I got a call about midweek. I got a call from a guy that I barely knew from a place called Thief River Falls. And he said, come Friday, come Saturday, no, it was come Friday, he said, I'm sending a gospel singer. I said, what's his name? He, his name was Brad. I'd never met Brad in my life. Brad could be a werewolf for all I care. So he's, he said, you're going from New York to Thief River Falls. Now, I didn't know America. I thought that was up the road. But it was three hours, three days rather, 36 hours of straight driving without stopping, except to go to McDonald's and replenish my sugar intake. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I, I met this, and a van, when you say a van to an Australian, that's kind of like a van you deliver bread in. It's like a shell. I so thought, now I'm going to be sitting in a shell of a van with a guy I don't know to a place I've never been to, told to me by a fellow that I barely know. So I had no choice. So when I jumped on the van, it was a brand new Chevy conversion van. It was gorgeous inside. I'd never seen anything like it. There was Nintendo. <laughs> there was movies. I just thought, this is like a hotel on wheels. And this guy, this gospel singer, turned out to be such the sweetest man. And I drove 36 hours, went to the meeting on Sunday night. I think I arrived Sunday morning. We arrived, had a shower, went to the meeting Sunday night. He handed me a microphone and said, you are going to bring the move of the Spirit to the state of Minnesota. What was happening here? Now let's analyze this. The grace the blessing singular that God had placed in me was making crooked paths straight for me. He was opening doors for me and he was giving me, bringing me into uncommon favor. You've got to trust God when there's no signpost of where to go. You've got to depend on your position and not be so scared and fearful of the condition around you. Am I making sense tonight? Amen. And so it started the life. And then my, my wife, as I said to you many times, my wife's back in Australia. And I only ever knew one church, one week ahead of where I was to be. And I really was away for five months. And I preached two meetings a day, six days a week for five months. But I only ever knew one week ahead. And the only reason I knew one week ahead, a pastor of another church would be in the meeting. You're a pastor, aren't you, brother? So it'd be like him being in the meeting and say, what are you doing next weekend? Let me just check my planner. <laughs> right? And I'd say, well, I'm doing nothing. And I'd go to his church, go a week, and he'd invite a pastor, and that pastor would say, what are you doing next week? And, and so this went on for five months. Now I'm booked up a year ahead. 
One time I was booked up two years ahead. Every time I look at the plan, you imagine, 24, year, 24 months booked up ahead. It depressed me. My God. So I'm never going to do that again. 24 months. So, so there'll be seasons in our lives that the grace will be shown by the fire you went through, not necessarily by the blessing you went through. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, still walking, still functioning when it should have killed them. They couldn't even smell smoke on them. So write this down. You are blessed in the fire and you are blessed in the mess. And I'm going to get you to do something right now. Because I wrote this down in my notes. You need to hear you say you're blessed. Why? Because it drives back the voices of doubt and unbelief. So I want you to say, I'm blessed. Say, I'm blessed. Say, I'm blessed coming in. And I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed when it looks bad. I'm blessed when I'm in the fire. I'm blessed when I'm in a mess. I'm blessed when people hate me. I'm blessed when I'm despised and rejected of men. I'm blessed. See, Jesus was blessed. And the Bible says he was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows was he. But he had the blessing of God on him to be able to navigate through that hardship. Every day in my ministry, I've lived this way now for... 25 years in America. And I've literally, I never talk about this, but, but I've literally lived by faith. I, I've had no salary for 25 years. And I, I just, and, and I remember Rodney Howard Brown said this to me, because I asked Rodney, I said, how am I going to live? He said, you're going to live by giving. That's how you're going to live. You're going to live by giving. Even Bon Jovi has got that. He, he, he operates on a... Hands up those who know who Bon Jovi is. <laughs> Don't be embarrassed. <laughs> hands up those who know who the Beatles are. You know, hands up those who know who Bon Jovi is. <laughs> Thank you. It's amazing how you put out the net and make it all right. I know who... But he was on Oprah, and I can't stand her, but he was on Oprah. <laughs> She's a demigod. So he's on Oprah... <laughs> And he said, this is his motto in life, I live to give. And what Rodney was saying to me, you need to live to give or you need to give to live. And so I started this life just giving away money. Every little bit I got, I gave away. And I never forget the very first time I, I embraced this because he said, if you don't give, you'll never live as a traveling ministry, as a revivalist. So I said to Kathy and I said, man, this is pretty... This is new to me. I mean, I didn't have a missionary society or someone giving me a wage. So I remember this distinctly. I was at this particular church. And Kathy and I talked in the hotel room. We said to each other, why don't we invite the pastor? This is a big deal for us. Why don't we invite the pastors out for supper after the meeting? And she said, okay. And I said, we'll treat. It was a big deal because... Sort of shows you that we were pretty mean before, right? <laughs> yeah. And so he then came to me 
And it was a setup from the Lord, though. He said to me, look, he said, um, would you mind if I bring some people from the church? And I thought, okay. Yeah, I guess. And, and I knew God was stretching me, right? Guess how many turned up? 30 people turned up at the restaurant. And I had panicked inside. I was as calm on the outside, but inside it was like the sinking of the Titanic. And I'm, I'm like this, and I said to Kathy, oh my God, I thought it was only going to be two people, but 30. 32, actually. <laughs> Glory to God. And I'm panicking inside. And now I'm looking at their menu. I'm listening to what they're saying to the waitress and praying, Lord, no prime ribs or steak, please. And then I got the bill. I almost had a cardio arrest. I thought I had 10 strokes. I looked at the bill and I thought, oh, Jesus. And, and the Lord said to me, you've got to give to live. And that was a test for me. And I took out my money. And not only that, I, then I had to tip. Tip almost was the tipping edge. Because in Australia, we don't tip. It's not our culture. We pay them decent wages so they don't have to beg for money off us. So now I, I paid for 32 peoples, and they just ordered large, ordered whatever they wanted. And I thought, how mean when they asked, when they ordered desserts. I mean, I could handle the main course, but then to throw desserts in. I think, you people for real? My attitude wasn't that good. I got back to the hotel, licking my wounds. But that was, a, that was a test for me. And thereafter, it got easier and easier and easier. And God started to bless me. It turned the tide. And God started to bless me. And I've lived this way for 25 years, never knowing I step out from my garage in the morning into the shuttle to go to the airport. And I never know from one week to another, you know what? It doesn't worry me. Because I've seen the goodness of God over 25 years. I've learned to trust the goodness of God. God is so good. Hallelujah. He is just so good. Everybody say, he is so good. And I've trusted God in that time, I've had all kinds of offers. I remember I had an offer from a guy when I first came here. He said, I want to give you, I want you to give me three months. Of, this is back in the 90s. I want you to give me three months of your time. This was a very high profile ministry. And this is what he said to me. He said, I, I'm going to have you preach from every major significant pulpit in the country, beginning at Times Square with David Wilkinson. And he said, we're, we're going to go every, every major pulpit, right, you name it, all the, big, all the big names. He said, I've got access to all their pulpits. And he says, going to launch a ministry. And a quiet voice spoke to my ear when I was considering this. And he said, is he going to build you or am I going to build you? And I declined. I said, thank you, but no thank you. 
Another time I walked into a meeting in, in Houston, not far from the Space Center, and I walked into Houston. This oil baron met me at the door, and he handed me a check. I'd never seen him before. You've got to remember, we're right in the middle of a move of God and an awakening. But I walked in there, places packed out with people, and he, he handed me, and in between me and my hand and his hand was a check for $2,500. This is back in the 90s. So we're not talking a small amount, not a small amount now, but it was, it was even bigger then. And, and he said, I want to build your ministry. Would you let me? And the same small voice spoke to me and said, are they going to build it or are you, am I going to build it? And I declined. I believe had I done this with these people, I'd be shipwrecked and a castaway. But because I went God's pace and God's time and I'm building his kingdom, I ended up, because I'm telling with my personality, I'd have built my kingdom, not his, had I followed that. And I believe I'm the most fruitful, rewarding, having gone through all the moves of God. Places full with people. Parking lot so full I couldn't even find a place for my own vehicle. Had to walk ages to get just to the church. Gone through all that. But I find what I'm doing now, I'm a spiritual dad to many people, and I'm also on the uh, apostolic, uh, apostolic uh, covering of many churches that I'm responsible for. It's the most satisfying part of my life. But it took a lot of hard work and a lot of stuff to get me into that position where I could be that for these people. But I love my life. I love my life. Do you love your life? Even when it's bad, I love my life. Even when I face enemies, I love my life. Hallelujah. I want everybody to stand tonight. Could everybody stand? Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.